Chapter 13 of On the Shores of the Great Sea. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Stephen Carney. On the Shores of the Great Sea by M. B. Singh. Chapter 13 King Solomon's Fleet. And King Solomon made a navy of ships on the shore of the Red Sea. 1 Kings 9.26 Now when Solomon had finished building the wonderful temple at Jerusalem, he turned his attention to other parts of his dominions. He had learned much from the Phoenicians, he saw the wealth that poured yearly into Tyre, and he felt that a navy for his own people would greatly tend to improve foreign trade and commerce. True, he had by his marriage with the daughter of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, improved the trade routes between the two countries of Egypt and Canaan, but the power of the sea was beginning to make itself felt through the eastern world, and Solomon appealed to Hiram for help. Now the Phoenicians had no port on the shores of the Red Sea, and very gladly Hiram seems to have thrown himself into the scheme for building a new navy for Solomon. To the chosen port, King Solomon traveled himself, to arrange about the making of the fleet. The giant's backbone, as the port was called, was soon teeming with life and activity, Shipbuilders from Tyre and sailors from the land of Phoenicia were hard at work preparing the new ships, until at last the great fleet was ready to sail forth. Guided by Phoenician pilots, manned by Phoenician sailors, Phoenicians and Israelites sailed forth together on their mysterious voyages into the southern seas. They sailed to India, to Arabia, and Somaliland, and they returned with their ships laden with gold and silver, with ivory and precious stones, with apes and peacocks. The amount of gold brought to Solomon by his navy was enormous. Silver was so abundant as to be thought nothing of in those days, and all the king's drinking cups and vessels were of wrought gold, and every three years his fleet returned with yet more and more gold and silver. For the first time, too, we can see the beginning of contact between the west and east. The kings of Tarshish and of the isles shall bring presents, sang the solemnist. This was from the west, from the Tarshish in Spain, already discovered by the Phoenician sailors, the Tarshish from whence pure silver flowed in glowing streams. The kings of Sheba and Seba shall offer gifts, sang the psalmist again. This was from the east, from the shores of Arabia, from the yet more distant coasts of India, now opened up for the first time in history. Yea, all kings shall fall down before him, all nations shall serve him. So it was the Phoenicians that taught the Israelites how to attain all this splendor and riches, insomuch as they taught them the value of the sea. Now, though the Phoenicians were the first pioneers of the sea, yet they did not neglect their homework. They excelled in bronze work and ivory carving. There are two bronze gates now to be seen in England, carved by these old Phoenicians. They are covered with groups of figures busy with all the occupations of a seaport. Tyrrhenian dyes, too, were renowned throughout the ancient world. Here is the old story of how they discovered the purple dye. It was in the old, old days, so they said, that one day the nymph Tyrus was walking by the seashore with Hercules, her beloved. Suddenly her dog broke a small shell with his teeth, and his mouth immediately became dyed with a brilliant red color. Tyrus claimed that unless Hercules would procure for her a robe of the same tint, he should see her face no more. Hercules gathered a number of shells, and having dipped the garment into the blood of the shellfish, he presented it to Tyrus who was henceforth adorned with the royal purple, which throughout all ages has remained the royal color for British kings and princes. In mining, too, the Phoenicians were experts. They dug mines in Lebanon, their own mountains, then in the country now known as Rhodesia in South Africa. 
while phoenicia was still at the height of her fame hiram king of tyre died and still to-day in faraway syria a gray weather-beaten tomb of unknown age raised aloft on three rocky pillars looks down from the hills above tyre looks over the city and over the sea beyond it is pointed out by the natives to those who visit the once famous land of phoenicia as the tomb of hiram end of chapter thirteen recording by stephen carney manasha wisconsin